And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to another episode of All the Above, the show that gives you an unstandardized take on education. I'm Jeffrey Garrett, one of your co-hosts, and I've been a middle and high school principal and a high school social studies teacher. And as always, I'm joined by... Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. I'm a high school history teacher, and this, of course, is All the Above, where we take a look at issues in the realm of education. Now, Jeff, did you know that there are people listening to the audio podcast right now through Apple Podcasts? I did. I did. They can they can rate us. They can rate us five stars out of five, and those actually have a, a big role to play in the, the algorithms and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. if you haven't subscribed yet or uh, given us a thumbs up or, or rated and reviewed us, uh, please take a, a moment to do that because we sure do appreciate it. Now, Jeff, what's on the agenda for this episode? Well, man, well, we have a special episode. Uh, it's Ooh. summertime. We're doing things a little Ooh, bit differently. Is. And uh, I think in, in, in fitting fashion uh, with a, a teacher special guest, one you might mm. recognize, uh, the wonderful Miss Mimi Dow is going to be with us. Uh, you might remember her from our first season. Still to this day, the only person to bring a living artifact uh, to the show. That is true. Uh, to present in a show and tell segment. So, uh, first and only uh, record holder in uh, all the above history. Uh, Mimi is back, and we are going to dig into an extended do now session. I know uh, mm-hmm. all the teachers out there can relate. Sometimes you have that. Uh, you know, that do now and you look up at the clock and uh, 42 minutes later, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it took a little more time than you thought. Uh, so we have lots of fantastic headlines uh, we're going to dig in today. Just interesting stories in education. Um, and Mimi's going to join us to talk them through. So it's going to be great. Stick around. All right, let's get to it. All right, people, it's time for our do now. And we know a lot of you have been educators or currently educators. And there have been times where you had a warm up or a do now for your class that was meant to be just a couple minutes and it ended up taking up the whole class period. Well, that's kind of the situation that we have going on here. We have an extended do now with a special guest who you may recognize from our first season, episode seven, where she presented a plant as her show and tell and spoke about the need to support students and love students on an individual basis based on their individual needs. And that guest is Miss Mimi Dow, high school English teacher extraordinaire, who joins us to look at some recent headlines in education. Jeff, how are we doing the do now today? Well, today, Manuel, uh, with the plethora of teachers we have on the panel Mm, here, uh, it is only appropriate that we test the knowledge uh, and mm. wherewithal of our viewing and listening audience. So we have a pop quiz. Ooh, pop, pop quiz. quiz, folks. Thinking caps on. Miss <laughs> Dow, you ready for a pop quiz? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Ready. Born ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Jeff, what's the first quiz question okay. for today? Okay. First up today, folks, I like this question. Comes from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest. Hmm. Uh, question is how much does it cost to be a bully? Ooh. How much it costs? I feel like you should know. Wow. Because he bullies me all the time at work. Wow. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a lie. Salacious. Yes, we'll cut that. Fake news. (laughs) Fake news. (laughs) All right, Jeff, how much does it cost? Well, in Wisconsin, 
Uh, shout out to the Midwest. Uh, it would soon cost about $300. So fascinating story out of Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, that town is considering an ordinance that would impose fines on the parents of young bullies. Uh, this comes in the wake of a February social media post showing handwritten notes uh, that students had sent to a middle school girl urging her to kill herself in that district, right? So obviously pretty serious, uh, pretty serious situation there. Um, this proposed ordinance uh, would hold the parents or guardians of children who engage in this type of behavior, um, uh, who are younger than the age of 18, it would hold the parents or guardians uh, financially responsible, right? Um, so penalties for a first offense would be about $50. Additional costs bringing that total up to $313. So Mimi, Manuel, interesting uh, nugget here out of Wisconsin. What do you think? To be perfectly honest, I'm not, I'm undecided <laughs> in terms of how I feel. Because on one hand, I'm thinking, it just reminds me of my world history teacher. And he was saying that the best way to motivate people is just to hit them where they lose money. So that might motivate some parents. But on the other side of me, like the educator side of me, is just thinking, what other things are they doing to prevent bullying? Is it just the fine that mm -hmm. they have? Is that the only thing they got? Um, it's also kind of weird that they're getting the police department involved in order to discipline students. When, like what, is the, what are the teachers doing? What are the administrators doing? What are the parents doing? What are, what other solutions do they have? I hope it's just not the only solution that they have mm. proposed. Yeah, those are good questions. Um, yeah, definitely a lot to, to consider whenever you're talking about bringing law enforcement into a school situation, mm. into something that's happening um, on your campus. Now they modeled this after a, a, a neighboring town, uh, Plover, Wisconsin, and the Plover Police Department in 2015 uh, issued a similar ordinance fining parents for the bullying of their or for their kids being bullied and the police chief in that uh, in the area uh, Plover police chief Dan Alt said that the department hasn't actually had to find anybody he says basically knowing that that threat is out there has been enough to spread the word and awareness for parents to, to get on their kids and make sure their kids aren't participating in this behavior so um, I don't know I find that pretty interesting I, I, I don't know that having parents pay fines over their child's behavior. If the yeah. parent already isn't being a solid parent in terms of helping the student avoid that bullying behavior, I don't know what a fine's gonna do. Yeah, because I'm wondering how are they handling the situation with the student being bullied, the student doing the bullying. If you just find the parents, I could imagine in certain situations it might help, in other situations it might make the situation worse because a parent might get really pissed at their kid and go home and yeah. make the situation even worse. Yeah. So that's why I'm just, I'm just hoping it's not the only solution they have is to find the parents. Yeah, I, so I, I think I'm a kind of of a similar mind because to me, I think the, the idea behind this system is interesting, right? We mm -hmm. do it with some other aspects of life like mm -hmm. um, dog owners being held responsible if their dog bites someone or that kind of thing. And yeah. I don't mean to compare children that's with, with dogs. That's what you said, that's what <laughs> you said. But like wow. the, the wow, construct yeah. is wow. the same, right? You put the yeah. fine on the on the adult, and the adult will take responsibility and make sure the bad yeah. things don't happen, right? I just wonder whether that's like the right assumption about how bullying works, right? Like, are are the kids who are engaging in this level of bullying behaving that way because their parents are not engaged in their lives or in their education, right? right? Mm -hmm. It seems to suggest that that's the cause. I would wonder. I'm not a bullying expert, but mm -hmm. just anecdotally in my experience. A lot of times, some of the kids who do the worst bullying in this case 
are are acting out on issues that are really starting at home, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I would I would wonder similarly, like, is this actually going to solve the problem? You know, we'll find out, I guess. But uh, it, there's a lot of assumptions built into this, uh, you know, this accountability mechanism here. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. All right, next quiz question. Difficult question here. What costs fifty million dollars and doesn't teach kids anything? So many things. Mm. <laughs> so many things. Uh, you know, weekend with uh, Donald Trump, perhaps, oh. uh, and his kids at Mar-a-Lago. Always got to go there. Yes, I do. Bring it, trolls. Oh, Bring it. Um, I don't know. Fifty million dollars is a lot. I, I don't understand those numbers. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. It's I mean, a lot of zeros. I mean, I can't relate so in my personal yeah. life. It's it's a lot of zeros um, yeah. and a lot of comments. All right. So in this case, this is a um, story out of California where a network of charter schools is alleged to have stolen more than fifty million dollars from the state by creating mm. phantom institutions that enrolled unwitting students it found through other schools and youth programs. So A3 Education recruited small public school districts to sponsor these online charter schools in exchange for oversight fees. And prosecutors allege that A3 enrolled about 40,000 students throughout the state, none of whom received any services. The company operated a network of 19 online-only schools, and it's accused of paying sports leagues at as little as $25 a student for information that they then use to phantomly enroll, phantomly, I don't know if that's a word, enroll these students into their online schools. Students didn't know how their names were being used, and prosecutors identified Sean McManus and Jason Schrock as the ringleaders. What do you guys think? $50 million for phantom schools yeah I, so my take is i think man well this is um this is like way far at the end of crazy scandalous stuff that happens yeah. with with charter schools so mm -hmm. i want to say up front not all charter schools are just running off of 50 million dollars right. on the other hand there's no reason we should be operating in a world where a system could get away with taking 50 million dollars without lot. some greater type of oversight so i understand and i've done some work with folks in charter schools mm -hmm. and contrary to popular opinion there's lots of regulations that they have to follow right. but there's clearly not enough regulations that they have to follow <laughs> if they can walk off with 50 million dollars for phantomly educating uh yeah. 40, kids yeah what do you think miss dow damn Damn, that's right. <laughs> that's good answer. That's a lot of money. So, because you said that they recruited small public school districts to sponsor right. charter schools. You had $25 a student is how much it costs? So that's how much they paid their sports leagues to sort of hand over their rosters. Not hand over, but like, hey, 25 bucks per kid. Give me their, their name, their, their state ID number, presumably yeah. birth date, so we can enroll them um, in these schools. Because it just makes me wonder for how long it was going on. Yeah. And like how many people had to have been involved? It had to have been more than 11 people. Yeah, so 11 people, 11 people indicted. were indicted. Yeah. Because to have, to steal that much money to enroll, how many? 40, was it 40? Yeah, 40,000 students. 40,000 students and not have anybody, not, ra not raise a red flag sooner? Right. To lose that much money? I feel like more people had to have been involved than 11 yeah. people. Well, to be fair, the California Charter Schools Association says it raised concerns about A3 uh, more than a year ago with the state ed, uh, education department. 
So the Charter Schools Association, apparently, like, you know, pointing the finger at this uh, online online group and say, look into this because something fishy is going on. And it took quite some time for charges uh, to come through. But of those 11 indicted, um, at least one of them is a school board member who, who basically collected these uh, oversight fees in exchange for allowing these networks to exist. So it wasn't just these two charter guys. It was uh, people within the public school system who also mm. played a role. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of layers of kind of the yeah. the sad story behind this, right? Um, you know, these two gentlemen who are referred in the article as ringleaders, right? Yeah. Appropriately <laughs> so, right? Like not school administrators. Yeah, and one dude's not even in the U.S. anymore. Yeah. He's in Australia. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we can extradite him or something. Um, you know, they, they apparently purchased a $1.6 million house um and stash money in a bunch of private accounts i mean this is like old school oh. gangsterism right yeah. so um you know it's hard for me to to not feel that kind of deep outrage about this because i'm thinking yeah. about what 50 million dollars could do spread out across the schools that i work with right um yeah and uh to think that these folks were just purely profiting and, and delivering no services to students of any real uh measure that we can that we can tell so mm -hmm. crazy story for yeah. sure all right next headline what we got what we got all right so give a nine-year-old 75 dollars and what do you think he's gonna do with it hmm. that's a lot of jolly ranchers man <laughs> <laughs> when i was nine I said, pokemon cards <laughs> i was thinking now later you know straight to gamestop or maybe something a, maybe mm -hmm. a super soaker uh, super, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they make those anymore. No. Okay. I remember when Super Soakers came out. Yeah, man, that was Ooh, all was the rage. You didn't have to do the pumping anymore. Nah, you could, yeah. It was lit. Miss Dow's like, what are, what are Super Soakers? <laughs> like, what are She's too about? young for that. <laughs> um, all right. So, Miss Dow, wh what would that nine-year-old do? Um, so apparently, a nine-year-old paid off his classmates' lunch debts like a boss. Mm. Wow. Just paid it off. So there's a nine-year-old boy in Napa, California. He recently used his allowance money to pay off the lunch debt for his fellow third graders. And after a conversation with his mom about the kids who couldn't afford school lunches, he actually, Ryan Kirkpatrick, decided to actually pay off all the debt for his classmates. Man, all right, so 75 bucks to pay off these lunch debts at this elementary school. Nine-year-old kid, didn't have to do it. It's his allowance money. Yeah. Um, I guess in one sense, it's like, good for him mm -hmm. honorable for him like way to go but um <laughs> the hell we have lunch debts for in yeah. 2019 yeah i'm definitely of two minds on the mm -hmm. one hand i'm like hey you know sounds like a nice kid very yeah. upstanding thing to do care for your friends and yeah. neighbors like we want young people to be like this right on the other hand what kind of ridiculous system are we running where nine-year-olds have to think about paying off the debts of their peers, like they're nine. They should be buying noun laters and super soakers. They and should be. Or whatever no, nine-year-olds buy today with $75. They buy apps and in-app purchases, yes, I'm Jeff. old, I'm old, <laughs> just painfully old. Um, yeah, so yeah, I also feel like a certain sense of outrage about like, how did this nine-year-old even conceive of the need for this, right? Like right. what is broken in our system that's requiring this? And it, it kind of reminds me of the, the Philando Castile story that uh, yeah. you know we've certainly certainly talked about on a few different episodes, um, and the kind of nobility of paying off school lunch, but also the absurdity of of having to pay off school lunch debt for young people. Yeah, it's it's 
Because he's amazing, right? He's like an angel to even think about doing that. It says that he normally would have spent that money on sports gear for himself. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he would even give up $75 for his classmates to make sure that his classmates didn't have that day anymore, I think is really nice. Yeah. But yeah, it is sad. It's sad that there are so many systemic issues that a nine-year-old would have to step in and do that. But the adults have not created a school system where the students don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this school claims that uh, even students who, who owe money still get their, their hot meal. Um, so they're not withheld food, but these debts do accumulate. And why are we teaching our elementary school kids about debt in the first place? And why are we letting them have the burden of debt and the anxiety that comes with you know, facing the, the, the lunch uh, employee and knowing that you have a debt and this lunch employee is gonna look up your number and add to that debt, like just even that anxiety, why should any elementary school student have to experience that at all? Like school lunch should just be covered, like include it in our education funding so that no student has to worry about whether or not they get a meal at lunch, but also no student has to worry about debts and no hero nine-year-old has to sacrifice his own allowance money to clear a problem that really originated with the adults. Yeah. yeah. Or the fact that it's not even the school system itself, but the fact that just there aren't enough institutions in place where the families can't afford to pay those debts off themselves. Yeah. Because if you, I mean, I, I think it's great if you have a school that can pay off, pay, right. give free food to all the students, but at the same time, I, I'm worried about always putting it on the schools. That, they yeah. feel like the schools can solve every single problem out there in society. Yes. It just there has to be more institutions in place. I'm so glad you said that, actually, Mimi, because I, I was getting caught up in kind of the, the individual drama with, with Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're raising this really important point, which is we live in a society where there's a routine practice of having to feed children at school with public resources because we have so many families that cannot afford to feed their children at home, right? Right, And so what's wrong with, <laughs> with how we've set up our, our economy yeah. where we have so many families that don't have the resources to feed their children, right? Like we're clearly, I mean, we wanna talk about a $15 minimum wage and these sorts of things, but when we break that down to human terms, we're living in an economy where families are sending their kids to school hungry. Mm -hmm. because they don't have the resources to pay for food, right? And this is, this, uh, you know, school lunch is a nice Band-Aid for that, but we also have a bigger problem, I think, to address of, let's help families be able to provide for their children. Yeah, because it's hard to focus when you're hungry. I can't yeah. focus when I'm hungry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> we could pause the show and, you know, <laughs> have a little recess, have okay. a little lunch break. Um, I do wonder, though, if mm -hmm. Ryan showed up to school with this $75, like, in ones and walked into the cafeteria <laughs> like a boss just like you know fanning himself with this money and just kind of just like tossing it on the counter I, I hope he he at least included some bit of drama because that that's that could be pretty dope making okay. it rain as a nine-year-old man wow. lasting memory wow wow okay next all right next question <laughs> next question all right do online classes boost high school graduation rates i'm gonna say yes there's a 50-50 chance I get that right. That is, that's an outstanding, outstanding teacher question <laughs> with a 50-50 chance. Manuel, do you agree? Yes. I, I'm, True or false? I'm, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm copying her answer. I'm, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the answer, you were wrong because the answer is yes, but not exactly yes. Oh, that's mostly a so yes. You, so you get partial credit. 
okay. a recent study by uh, Carolyn Heinrich and Jennifer Darling Andwada uh, out of Vanderbilt University um, called Does Online Course Taking Increase High School Completion and Open Pathways to Post-Secondary Education Opportunities? That's a mouthful. Uh, this study looked <laughs> at data from an eight-year longitudinal period um, of students taking online courses in their high schools. They found that students who took online courses were about 13% more likely to graduate than similar students who didn't take those courses. So there's your, there's your partial credit. That's the yes. Uh, however, <laughs> these students Still don't yes, seem... <laughs> Still the yes, though. I mean... However, <laughs> these students don't seem to be learning as much as their peers in regular face-to-face -face classes. So I think lots of educators out there who've uh, taught some yes. of these classes or been uh, <laughs> around these kinds of experiences uh, can understand this. It's easier to earn the credit, but maybe suspect as to whether the learning is the same. So Mimi, Manuel, what do you think? Um, well, this past year, I actually taught a class, a class, class, <laughs> a class where students in the class actually enrolled in Acellus online courses. They were able to graduate because they were able to make up credit classes that they had, you know, failed previously, or maybe they were trying to get call get into college, so they had mm -hmm. passed with a D, but they want to now go to college, which they didn't have those like aspirations when they were younger, when they were in ninth or tenth grade. Mm. So now they were able to retake a lot of classes online and get those units earned. So that was a good thing. But for sure, like when I was walking around the classroom and trying to help the students with their online courses, it seemed like, I mean, just me by myself, I think I'm a pretty smart person, but <laughs> and a pretty good student, but I haven't taken math in like 10 years. So I was trying to help students with their math courses, trying to help them with history courses, English courses online, trying to just help all these different students who are making up different classes online. And I'm not an expert in all those different subjects. Like I remember, you know, how to do different equations, <laughs> but I, once you get to higher level of math, I haven't done that in so long, so I couldn't really help them with that, so we were both just sitting next to each other trying to watch the video and learn it, and definitely that student probably would have learned better if they had an actual math teacher, an actual English teacher, an actual history teacher, but, um, but yeah, it does help them make up credits, yeah. which is a positive thing, especially when those students, some of them already know the material. The reason why they didn't pass the class was because they didn't submit the work, but they had mm. the skills already. Right. But the students who failed because they didn't have the skills, now they're struggling and they might even just fail it the second time online. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too surprised by the results of the study based on um, you know what you said, like students are taking these online courses mm. and without a teacher who's an expert in that discipline area, yeah. um, you know, how are they even uh, getting through in terms of are they learning nearly as much as if they were in a physical class where they were doing different collaborative activities with other classmates and had a, a teacher to give them the one-on-one -on -one guidance. So to me, it's no shocker that online courses uh, don't boost learning. So the study found that the more online courses a student took, the worse that student did on district-wide standardized tests. So to me, that's not too surprising. I've taken some online courses in the past for uh, various like uh, salary credit things and <laughs> definitely I didn't learn as much as I did in my classes in college and in grad school where there was actual professor who was an expert in that field. Um, and I think that we look to online education 
um, a little bit too much to solve some of the problems that we have. So I know a lot of districts have moved to online courses as their primary credit recovery in place of summer school teachers, for example. So budget-wise, it costs less to enroll students in these online courses mm -hmm. than it does to hire a teacher to teach that U.S. history class over the summer. And you know, it, it might help solve the budget constraints, but is it boosting learning? According to this study and according to our own anecdotal experience, nah. Yeah, I think what this really calls out to me is is one of the like core fundamental truths we know about learning, which is it's a social process. Mm -hmm. And uh, in as much as online learning platforms can uh, can offer some like approximation of the social process of learning, they aren't actually a, a full replacement of that. In the same way, actually, as social media offers like a a proxy for friendship and for social interactions, but we see, you know, people who spend all their time on social media and are depressed and feel disconnected, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying online learning makes you depressed and, and feel disconnected, but there is something missing when the screen is kind of mediating the interaction, right? Mm -hmm. And when you don't have the ability to, um, you know, to talk to people next to you and to read people's body language when they're making an argument or saying something. Um, so it's not at all surprising to me that online learning boosts graduation rate. It's certainly an efficient way to offer credit-bearing opportunities to mm. lots of students in quick succession. But um, I don't think it can be thought of as a replacement for classroom seat time learning. Like the actual instruction, yes. right? Because mm -hmm. there were a couple of students that I had in my class who only failed because they didn't get along with their teacher, for example. So it was mostly like a personality conflict mm. or just butting heads with the teacher. So they already had the skills. So just taking the online course helped them get those credits without having mm -hmm. to be in that teacher's classroom again. So that was a positive state, like positive situation for that student. But for the students who just don't even have the skills yeah. and they're just trying to go through the routines. And I'm sure, you know, online classes are also easier to cheat in. <laughs> so you can't replace Def the actual definitely learning. heard that critique before for mm -hmm. sure mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right next quiz question okay. Let's see what we got all right quiz question for y'all okay how many lgbtq historical figures can you name off the top of your head mm. okay i, I can name maybe five i know there are more than five there's so many more. So feel, uh, Shakespeare, Langston Hughes, Virginia Woolf, Virginia Woolf, by Rustin, um, Harvey Milk, Harvey Milk, uh, RuPaul, Shakespeare. Uh, I, I never knew. I, that's I read. That's what I read. When you said that, yeah. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm the English teacher. Damn. I don't I know that. I don't know. I never knew that. Well, according see, to my was, own. See, but we didn't know because we James never taught those things. What do you mean you were oh, never James taught Baldwin, those things? Yeah. So you're saying your high school curriculum didn't include? I don't think. Hmm. Nope. Interesting. According yeah. to my high school history um, learning, uh, gay people did not exist until the 60s and 70s. <laughs> so, because I was never taught anything about any historical figures who were gay. No. So, um, Noble Ingram for the 74 did a, um, wrote a really fascinating piece that we'll link on our website, uh, taking a look at the state of LGBTQ curriculum across the nation. And in his piece, he uh, cites the fact that Colorado and New Jersey have recently followed the footsteps of California, which was the first to mandate recognition of the contributions of LGBTQ people in history and social studies curricula. 
So that brings us to three states where it's mandated that schools include the contributions of LGBTQ people in history and social science, but similar measures are underway currently in New York and Illinois. Other states, including Alabama and Arizona, have voted to lift restrictions against including LGBTQ content, and a flurry of state policy changes are going on throughout the nation regarding this this matter. Now, a national LGBTQ education organization known as the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network found that schools with inclusive curricula were more likely to report feelings of acceptance towards LGBTQ students and have lower rates of student absenteeism linked to feeling unsafe. And currently we have eight states that have legislation that restricts LGBTQ content in the classroom. But despite the fact that 42 states don't restrict it, um, a recent study by the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network found that only about a quarter of teachers incorporate LGBTQ topics into their lessons. So it looks like states are slowly, slowly getting there with doing a better job of teaching about the contributions of LGBTQ people. Um, What do you guys think? Well, I, when I saw the article, they have a nice map of mm-hmm. the of the country, right? Yeah. And it's kind of color-coded based on where states are at. Um, and on the one hand, it's kind of sad because I would say my uh, education as a young person uh, was pretty similar to yours in that um, I, I don't recall there being a mention of uh, LGBTQ people explicitly, like out LGBTQ right. people. Uh, I think in high school was probably the first time that I can recall. I remember one of my English teachers talking about Langston Hughes being gay, and I mm. and I and it was like a very interesting moment because because like that was never talked about in mm. school, mm. right? Even though like there were other students who we knew were gay, right? And right. like it wasn't like a, a secret, but um, but from a there was a lot of silence in terms of the curriculum, right? Yeah. And so. Um, the, the only perhaps positive thing on that map was that they used the color gray to show the states that neither <laughs> prohibit nor have a law in favor of saying like you have to acknowledge the presence and humanity of LGBTQ people. Um, and so at least in those states, we're not having to like climb over a prohibition, right? right. We can just add the inclusivity, which I think legally is hopefully a, uh, a somewhat easier and quicker process to get to better versions of curriculum than than we have now, which I think are still largely silent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, or dependent upon the individual teacher who's maybe educated or aware or intentional about speaking to uh, the presence of LGBTQ people and their contributions to our society, which are are numerous, right? As with with many communities in in our society. So, um, yeah, it's it's both like sad to look at and mm. maybe hopeful from the standpoint of there's there's momentum building in some places and hopefully that will catch catch fire uh, across the country. Yeah. I'm also wondering who's going to write the curriculum in terms of because this says it mandates it, right? So it mandates recognition of the contributions of LGBTQ yeah. people in history and social studies curricula. So I'm just wondering who they would get to write it just because and we were talking about this earlier, about mm-hmm. like social justice like units and right. ethnic studies and everything. Like just because you, you put that label on it doesn't mean that you're doing it right and you're doing it correctly. Yeah. So I like the, the movement and the progress in terms of trying to include it and in trying to just have them be seen. Right. <laughs> and have the students feel seen, like they're, they can find figures in history and in their classes that they can relate to. Um, 
but yeah, I'll just be. My next thought would be just be who's writing the curriculum and how is it going to be implemented? Too. Because just because you yeah. have a training, if you send a bunch of teachers to a training for one or two days or even a week, doesn't mean that they can teach it properly. Mm -hmm. Because if the teachers themselves have like implicit biases mm -hmm. or something, or explicit biases. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the really bad scenarios. Yeah. Then they're probably not going to do it justice. Yeah. So I'd be worried about the. How do I say this? Like, I'm happy that they, they're moving in that direction, but it would also be, just because a state's saying that we have it now doesn't mean that you're doing it correctly or doing it properly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, California being one state where it's mandated, mm -hmm. and the, the article mentions that a lot of teachers feel that they are either unprepared to do, do that topic justice, yeah. or they're worried about parent pushback for, you know, the, their students going home and be like, guess what we learned about? And then the parents calling up to school. Yeah with that fear but in california i mean um there's there's curricular resources out there um the social science frameworks were, were updated with um, plenty of information in there to help teachers and guide mm -hmm. teachers it's really important i'm glad you bring up that question it's really important that this doesn't become just a like a um civil like rights movement they are rustin and yeah. oh yeah he was gay and move on but mm -hmm. something deeper and something much more inclusive than just saying like oh this person happened to be gay this person happened to be gay but more looking at sort of the the the, the bigger issues and the bigger struggles and also you know the bigger contributions than just happening to be gay um at the time so but it is promising that nationally we're slowly out head in that direction i was surprised to see alabama listed as a place where they lifted restrictions against including lgbtq um, information or, or, or topics in, in studies, but um, the, the article again by Noble Ingram um, cites that in a lot of states it's easier, politically easier, to lift the restriction than it is to go the next step and the more important step, which will be to mandate that schools actually do this. So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like how health classes are mandated, but it doesn't mean that our students get great health classes all the time. Well, our students at our particular schools where we each work get great, great stuff, but <laughs> nationally in other places uh you are correct yeah and that i mean I would, I would hope they would remember like things like intersectionality too so they're including lgbtq people who, of color and yeah. not just having like i don't anything wrong with white people but <laughs> diversity <laughs> even gotcha. among that <laughs> for sure my bad yeah. i was poorly du worded duly noted <laughs> not <laughs> anything wrong with white people <laughs> all right folks final quiz question for today what do we got what's our last quiz question all right folks uh we're actually not going to have a question for this last mm. story because uh, this story is kind of serious and we want to mm. uh, make sure we're doing it justice so um this story uh harkens back to the tragic incident at uh parkland uh, in parkland florida at marjorie stoneman douglas high school and um there is recent news about uh, the former school-based police officer at that school who has been charged with negligence in connection with uh, his actions on the day of that school shooting. Um, so as the shots rang out at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School uh, last year, Scott Peterson, uh, who was the school resource, school resource officer assigned to the campus, uh, chose not to engage the shooter. Um, he remained outside of the campus and this kind of ignited a bit of a firestorm in the community about, you know, what his role should have been and whether he should have responded or, you know, waited for other first responders. And um, he is now facing charges um, 
for negligence, which uh, has been met with mixed reactions, has been met with both uh, kind of excitement and relief from some of the families of the victims, and also I think lots of questions about is this, uh, you know, is this fair or are we promoting, you know, more heavily militaristic policing if we're going to say, you know, you, you uh, lose your job and lose your pension if you don't run in and start start shooting back. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, sad and disturbing story, but also this interesting question about uh, kind of the role of policing on school campuses in a world where mass shootings continue to happen. So what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, there's wide ranging implications here. Um, based on what ends up happening to this officer. And um, I don't think that anybody is, is happy with the fact that he didn't uh, do the most that he could to intervene um, in that shooting incident. Um, but I, for one, personally, um, don't know that he should be legally um, accountable for, for yeah. what happened for several reasons. One reason being, um, you know, this is a devastating incident where 17 people were killed. And I'm sure he had, you know, a police issued uh, handgun and um, I don't know that that itself would have been enough I don't know that he going in there guns blazing wouldn't have contributed to more loss of life um, and I don't know that we want to live in a world where uh, armed police officers are at every school and are legally obligated to jump right into a situation that they might not uh, know much about because um, again like critics say that might just lead to a more militaristic culture among school-based police officers um, who are thinking about their um, obligation in a school shooting for an event that happens um, far too much in our country, but statistically the odds of any individual school resource officer being in that situation are so minuscule that I don't know that we want them all out there, guns ready and thinking about um, the legal implications if they don't run in there fast enough. So it's just a real murky, murky legal area, I, I think. And I have a question. Because when it says that he's being charged because he chose not to engage the gunman, is it because they want him to have started to have shot the gunman, or did he, did he yeah. not even try to even talk the gunman down? He didn't go in. Um, yeah, he, he didn't even go in. Right? No. He remained of the outside. Yeah. yeah, and waited for SWAT and other, uh, you know, other armed law enforcement officers to yeah. arrive on the scene. And I think the the contention from the families and from some of the people who are happy to see his prosecution is that mm -hmm. the um, by statute uh, law enforcement officers are expected to intervene yeah. when they're on the scene of this kind of incident, um, and that apparently was a, a policy change that shifted. It didn't. It hasn't always been that way, um, but maybe for the last ten years of, or so, it's been an expectation. So they're arguing that he was kind of in dereliction of his duty uh, or, you know, it was negligence mm -hmm. and um, and that, you know, there there could have been lives that could have been saved had he yeah. had he actually gone into the campus yeah. and scared the shooter off or actually been able to stop the shooter or even distract the shooter into mm -hmm. defending Something, himself anything. instead of trying to kill more students. Right. And so uh, so I, I hear those arguments and yeah. I, I don't yeah, dismiss I, them. Because right? I remember reading about that and being upset myself when I yeah. heard that there was a police officer there who yeah. did not go inside and try to do anything about it and that did upset me. Like emotionally I reacted to that. Um, I don't know if I would want him to just go in and start shooting oh, like immediately. Yeah. I would want him to go and just kind of gauge the situation and just try to help in any way. Um, yeah, and he did not do that. As yeah. You, yeah, there's surveillance footage showing him clearly hearing the shots and kind of pacing around, apparently, I guess, trying to figure out what to do and then deciding not to go in because he stays out. I forget how many minutes 
uh, he stayed out there, but it was a yeah. significant, very significant amount of time. So that's why I do think that he should have had some sort of consequence for that, yeah. for not doing his job. But I also don't know if he should be taken to court because like you said, there are implications, like wider implications, right? If they have a certain kind of ruling or a certain kind of punishment with him, then other yeah. police officers who are on campus might go in to another situation much more aggressively than they otherwise would have. Yeah, exactly, and that's the fear. That's the fear yeah. that a lot of critics are bringing up. I, I wonder about the teachers in Florida who will soon be armed because Florida passed legislation recent, recently allowing teachers uh, who want to voluntarily uh, follow this process of training and, mm -hmm. and, and being able to be armed on campus to do that. Um, I wonder um, what his prosecution means for any of those teachers that might be uh, facing an incident and don't respond or don't respond fast enough or respond so fast that they uh, harm somebody who, who was an innocent victim and maybe their defense is this, this person got a prosecutor for not jumping in so I jumped in right away to avoid prosecution and, and mm. yeah and because of that maybe I you know I just it's or, just such a yeah or if the, if the shooter is a student for example like how would you know which person is uh, well, obviously if you see it right. but sometimes you just wouldn't know if you're looking we're not John Wick. Like we can't. We don't have that kind of aim. <laughs> we're not John Wick. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> where these people can just. Yeah. So I'm in the middle where I feel like he he should have a consequence, but I'm not sure if. I'm just wondering what the punishment would be for him. Yeah. If he's charged. Yeah. To, to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put out some troll bait. So um, Ooh, troll you know, bait. Rush, Russian bots Tag and him, uh, right wing me. nuts. Get your get your uh, mouses ready. Um, but I think this story really speaks to the insanity of the larger issue that we're facing, which is having to militarize our schools to deal with military-style mass shooter incidents. Mm -hmm. And whatever steps we take, they're having negative consequences on the students involved. We're arming teachers. We're criminally prosecuting police officers who don't run into campus guns right. ablazing with you know a significant likelihood of shooting the wrong students right mm -hmm. whether intentionally or on accident right and so we should not be in this situation because we should have more sensible gun control in this country that takes this table uh, or that takes this kind of incident off the table so um, yeah you know it, it's a complex situation certainly our, our thoughts are with the survivors, of course, in, in Parkland, and I hope maybe this brings them some additional um, level of, of peace, but um, we certainly have our work to do to actually prevent these kinds of things from happening. Mm. Those are facts, Jeff, and we love facts on all the above. Well, Mimi, I think that's the end of the line for this Do Now, which extended through our whole, our whole lesson plan. <laughs> um, thank you for stopping by again. Been there. Thank, thank you for, for stopping by, me. and uh, you're welcome to come back anytime. And uh, up next, folks, is our class dismissed. All right, people, now it's time for class dismissed, where we like to shout out people doing excellent things in the world of education. And for this class dismissed, we'd like to give a very special shout out to all of you teachers out there who are enjoying your summer break. We know that the school year can be massively intense and stressful, and you put in so much work. So shout out to you, whether or not you are taking the time with family, whether or not you're traveling. Some of you might be engaged in professional development, trying to plan for the upcoming school year. Some of you might just be parked on your couch watching Netflix and Hulu and all that. And of course, watching our show and liking our page and giving us a thumbs up and all that stuff. So shout out to you, however you are enjoying your summer. Enjoy it because you have earned it. Yeah, I'm going to second all that. And I'm also going to say, 
we hear you and see you educators because we know all those myths out there that are like, mm. well, teachers get, you know, three right. months off in the yeah. summer. First of all, nobody has three months off Not in the summer. Months. Second of all, <laughs> most teachers uh, are working for a good chunk of the summer, whether yeah. they're teaching summer school or whether they're preparing curriculum or, you know, looking at data or helping with, you know, yeah. things at the school site. Or working so, a second job trying to, trying to bolster that meager pay that they get yeah, for sh teaching. Shout out to Oklahoma and West Virginia and Arizona and Indeed. you know you know about that. So um, you know I just want to say for educators uh, who are working hard this summer uh, find some time to unwind. You need it. Make sure you're taking good care of yourself and for those of you who are on vacation enjoy it and don't feel bad about it because you earned it. Indeed. Alright folks so that about does it for episode 17 of All of the Above. Please remember, if you haven't already, head over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe. Um, it's youtube.com slash all of the above. And remember to like our Facebook page and follow us however you follow your podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Do online Which classes boost this? high school graduation rates? Oh, okay. This is actually a story I didn't read, so give me a second. Wow. wow. Yeah. We are not cutting that out. We're going to let our audience know. We are going to let them know. I'm sorry. Let's try it again. <laughs> we still rolling? Okay. All right. Good, because I'm throwing all that in the episode. <laughs> all right. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Start over, right? Yep.